What's up? What's up? We are back. It is the SoCo Show, episode 134. It happened again. I earlier today I thought of like a cool thing I was gonna say when the show started, and I forgot it. And and just now I panicked, and that's why I went with what's up? What's up? Uh, I know it was lackluster, and I apologize for such a shitty start to the show. Uh, this is of course the co-host Cody Michael, joined as always by the disappointed so-host Seth Ott. Oh, I'm always disappointed in in your company. <laughs> that's uh that's a fair point that's a fair point uh seth fresh off the heels of a recording and uh, subsequent drop of a hot new uh patreon only podcast with our boy at jared buckendall uh shot ones was uh was the big event over the weekend uh so this is as i understand you and jared uh asking an- answering questions interview style and taking shots a la hot wings hot ones uh, that, is that is that a fair description? That was the intention, but I don't think it really ended up that way. Um, and I'm not going <laughs> to go rewatch it to see if that's how it was. Um, I already pay the you know the Patreon you know f- fee, so I don't really need to go watch it. It's not like it you know it's going for YouTube views. But um, I don't. <laughs> I, I I mean there there was there's a lot a lot going on. I don't know don't know what made the final cut or not. But I talked about it in the podcast that um, that's definitely the drunkest I've been. Um, well, no, I, I'd been drunker one other time while doing a podcast where I'd blacked out. Uh, <laughs> like when we when we had first started, I don't know if you remember this. Um, we it was for it was like probably within the first twenty to thirty episodes, we were still recording in in your uh, basement room uh, with our pants off, <laughs> and and uh, we just I don't remember why I was so drunk, but I like I I remember that I forgotten what i talked what i talked about and i was definitely blackout drunk at one point <laughs> i'm sure that was a great episode i i don't remember that but um i'm not surprised that it happened uh, someone should if anybody has an intimate knowledge of our episodeography uh, let us know what episode that is because i would love to go back and listen to 20 episodes in us shit-faced <laughs> i bet it's i bet it's top-notch quality podcasting do you think that there is anything that is more useless of a knowledge base than our our podcastography? <laughs> like almost definitely not. Like I, the, it would something would need to happen, to, like to to qualify that as good knowledge. Like if you already have that knowledge, it's useless. But if like mm-hmm. Seth or I becomes a serial killer someday, might be good information to have. But it's going to take true. some some qualifying event uh, post now. Uh, to make that useful knowledge. I, I feel very sorry for anyone who uh, knows enough to know what episode something happened on of our podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, but, folks, if you want to check out uh, the first ever edition of Shot Ones, uh, hit the description box, find uh, find JB. At Jared Buckendall. And uh, join his Patreon, which is a Patreon that is totally worth having anyway. Uh, lots of great Patreon-only uh, exclusive podcasts and videos and things that he puts out. So make sure you check that out. Uh, it's one of one of very few patrons that I am a, a supporter of, and so um, it gets it gets the SoCo endorsement because uh, I know Seth is as well. So if you want to see Seth get drunk, uh, that's that's a good way to start your Patreon support of JB. Yeah, I know that you're a big big uh, JB Patreon supporter and a uh, big Logan Paul Patreon supporter. <laughs> uh, that's not true, um, but. <laughs> Uh, again, uh, hit the link in the description box for Jared's stuff. You can find shot ones there. Um, but uh, we got a lot of fun stuff to get into. And Episode 134 here. What, what do you got? Something else? I was going to say, shout out to Jared for that logo that he made for shot ones. Super I mean, it's, dope. 
it's it's perfect. It looks. I mean, it looks like if if First We Feast did shot ones like that, that's how good the the logo is it looks exactly like the hot ones one but with like booze um so it, that that's great work for a uh, podcast that um went off the rails very quickly and did not have quite the same amount of production because uh, we spent prop for the five booze five different types of booze we had we spent like i don't know like 20 bucks maybe <laughs> so <laughs> that's the type of booze we were drinking um, we didn't have any fancy frills, but in the future, we we, we plan to do more. Um, we will have more frills and more planning, uh, and, and hopefully it won't go off the rails as quickly, even though it was a ton of fun. I had a, I had a great time doing it, so um, check it out if you can. That's awesome. Uh, I love cheap frills, just like Sia. Um, <clears throat> I'll say this, though. Uh, you're right, though. JB has, is second to none when it comes to the thumbnail and the logo uh, generation for his stuff. He does he does some really fucking good photoshopping. And also as a top-notch interviewer. Uh, I had a really good experience on his show not long ago, too. So well, uh, you're going to want to do yourself a favor and get 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 uh, get acquainted with JB because he's putting out some great shit. Also approaching at 3,000 subscribers yeah. uh, on his YouTube channel. So hey, dude's killing it. Uh, I didn't yeah, intend but, for this to be a Jared commercial, but it's kind of worked out that way, and I'm cool. With <laughs> and the problem the problem was that I was mostly the interviewer for this one, so uh, <laughs> and, and I, and I oh, got God. drunk. I got drunk real quick, so <laughs> nice. Uh, I can't wait to check this out. Uh, I have it in my in my queue uh, on YouTube, so I'll have to I'll have to check that out soon. Uh, lots of great stuff to talk about this week. Episode 134. We got some reviews. Uh, we got some fun games. Uh, and of course, uh, it's the first episode of March. So we have the new release exam for the month of month of March <laughs> <laughs> coming up at the end of the show. So stick around for that. Uh, we got a lot of stuff in between now and then. And we're going to start like we always do with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Man, he's tweeting a lot. Um, you know, no, nothing like too profound, um, like it, with with his with his barrage of tweets. He did say this isn't the the official selection, but I do agree with him. He said I suplex the coronavirus, so he's not a fan of the coronavirus. Um, I'm sure he's a fan of coronas, but not the coronavirus. And then uh, he suplexes the leap year as well. Mm. Um, so he, he's not not a fan of the leap year, but. He does say, uh, w- with a proclamation, I feel, um, from this day forward, go fuck yourself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, myself included, when March hit, uh, daylight savings time coming up, uh, set some goals. Uh, I do I do my like New Year's resolutions uh, more in the spring than I do in January. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be my new mantra. From, from this point on, uh, I'm going to go fuck myself. It's, it's going to be good stuff. <laughs> As always, uh, profound thoughts from the Iron Cheek. I call you a punk. All right, folks, got to shout out our sponsors for the show. Uh, hit the link in the description box for each of these uh, various sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Uh, link is in the description. Hit that. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Also, Mathis Designs, that's our friend Steph. You can find her on Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. And of course, Mike's Wood. You can find uh, Mike and Courtney on Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed if you want to get that woodworked. That's right. That's how a man works the wood. Uh, Let's cut to our previously recorded selves for one more ad here. 
Great stuff as always there. Uh, folks, if you want to become a contributor to this podcast, head on over to Anchor. Link is in the description box. Uh, you can head to our homepage where you can see how you can contribute on a monthly basis. Shouts out to Jared B., Mike V., and Casey C. for being our contributors so far. If you want to join the squad, uh, again, link is uh, via Anchor. Uh, if you don't want to be a contributor or can't, uh, just keep clicking on these episodes. Uh, every every click helps uh, and helps us improve the show. So uh, fully appreciate you listening and, of course, sharing with friends, uh, growing the growing the audience, as it were. All right, now that we got the bills paid, uh, let's jump into the show proper. We've got a lot of news to cover this week, but no time to cover it all. So let's start with some quick hits. Ooh. I forgot the, the voice I did last week, so I'm just going to read it normally. <laughs> All right, we'll start in movies. Um, Uncharted, is that, I don't even know if that's what it is. <laughs> I, I think it was like going. a 19, 1920s like Barker yeah. type. Yeah. This day? No, can't do it. This day. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to go straight. You're going to spiral right into Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> As I usually do. All right. Uncharted casts Antonio Banderas an unspecified role while Tom Holland's Nathan Drake will be renamed Junie. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Spike has reference. Super dope. Do we, do, is Sully cast? Do we know that? Yes, it's Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Okay. I, I would like Banderas as Sully. I think that could be kind of interesting, but my assumption is mm-hmm. he'll be some type of villain. Um, but yeah. I like this. I think it's a good cast. I think he'll fit in well. Ben Affleck's uh, movie ad- adaptation of the McMillian story is still in development with Matt Damon attached to star. Rumors are that he's going to play Grimace. <laughs> I would pay to see that. Him in just a classic ass grimace costume. Uh haven't seen the doc yet. I know you're loving it. Uh mm-hmm. but the dramatic retelling <laughs> I think could be very very cool. Excited to see this. And finally in movies, uh Ben Stiller is rumored to j- Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller <laughs> is rumored to join the Fast and the Furious franchise in <sighs> Fast 9 as new character Zoomlander. <laughs> That's just a great headline, but also, fuck yeah. I, I want Ben Stiller in Fast and Furious. I was talking to my brother the other day, and I think it's because I saw and liked Hobbs and Shaw. I like, I'm like considering going to Fast 9. Like, <laughs> I, I may do it. And if if you tell me Ben Stiller's in it, or, or, or that he's going to be in the 10th one, or whatever he's doing, I'm fucking there, no doubt. I love how you... <laughs> I love how you say you get so excited about considering going to that movie. <laughs> That's I mean, anyone who's ever listened to the show knows we fucking hate Fast and the Furious. No, it's true. It's so true. it is. It is. It is definitely. Uh, it is. It is definitely fucking breaking news. Break yourself, fool. That uh, <laughs> I'm. I'm considering making a change and actually going to this. I'm not gonna watch the back. I'm not gonna watch the rest of them. But this one I might go to. I almost went. So I'm. I'm pretty proud of the Zoomlander. But I almost went with Roomlander too. <laughs> <laughs> Vroomlander's also good. Both are. <laughs> we'll move on to TV. What was that? Is that a hit? I just I just hit a punch. Yeah. Oh. You already did that, but I guess we'll do more. Uh, in TV, uh, Judge Judy uh, is to, is going to end after season 25 of the upcoming season, but she will be uh, creating her own, own show, a new show called Judy Justice. There'll be no word, though, on what will happen to the Dancing Lobsters. <laughs> yeah, I hope they I hope they can incorporate the Dance of Lobsters into her uh Supreme Court based show that she's going to be on. So, uh this is cool. Definitely like fucking all-time career that she's had. So, uh whatever she does next whether it's retirement or something new, uh, all the best to Judge Judy. Uh the Lizzie McGuire Disney Plus series has been delayed. Uh when asked when it will premiere, exec said, "At least not today, not today, not today." <laughs> 
How long have you been waiting to sing Hillary Duff lyrics on this show? Too long. <laughs> oh, the I, day has finally come. <laughs> I'm happy with that one. Uh, this one, I don't know if I'm going to be happy about it or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, and finally in TV, uh, Macaulay Culkin cast in latest season of American Horror Story, which will depict his time at Neverland Ranch. Oh, wow. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, that's nasty. Oof, oof. Um, well, <laughs> Seth's chances as a senator just went bye-bye. <laughs> but that was a good joke. That was a good joke. I'll give you that. Appreciate it. I felt good about that one. And that is the Quick Hits. Wow, great stuff as always from the Quick Hits. Um Actually, as it relates to Lizzie McGuire, did you hear that they are uh, trying to get it moved to Hulu? Have you heard about this? No, I did not. Uh, Hillary Duff herself uh, was on Instagram this week and, and asked, basically tweeted at Disney and said, hey, can you move this from Disney Plus to Hulu? Because we want to do some stuff that's a little more PG-13. But mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, they only want it to be PG. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if the delay has anything to do with that, but interesting to see where they land. I think it would be cool that if the show grows up a little bit, right? Because her fans of it have... You know, so I could mm-hmm. see it being a little bit more mature. She's 30. So um, we'll see. Interesting. I, I never thought I'd be keep, keeping tabs on the Lizzie McGuire reboot, but here we are. <laughs> um, you think she's like doing lines and stuff off like Hood of Car in New York or something like she that? She probably is. Yeah. She's like, Gordo! And just <laughs> rips a fucking rail off the top of a Corvette. <laughs> Terminator 2! <laughs> it's cyclical. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's uh, tough to tough to pull off a uh, hot tub time machine meets Lizzie McGuire reference, but that's what people come to this show for. I, I really think so. <laughs> uh, great stuff once again in quick hits. Uh, let's turn now to the world of movies. We're going to start this week with our Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. All righty, folks. Uh, we turn to the career of celebrated actor Ben Affleck for this week's Mambo number five. Um, he has the the movie The Way Out uh, nope. coming out. What, is that not what it's called? The Way Back. The <laughs> yep. Way Back. Sorry. Uh, I, I, it's not a movie I'm particularly excited for. Uh, but the <laughs> uh, Ben Affleck's new, newest is coming out this Friday. Uh, so we thought we would take a look back uh, at the career of Ben Affleck and choose our top five favorite Ben Affleck movies. Seth, I'll, I want to start with this question. Are you including movies he directs or only ones in which he acts? Yeah, just the, the, the acts, the one he's in. He's in. Just the one he's in. Okay, <clears throat> that that makes sense. Uh, so we're going to dive in. Movies in which Ben Affleck has appeared here. Top five, let's fire it up. Number five. Uh, number five is where I have The Town. I suspect that'll be a little bit of a kick. Yep, we're going to boot that one upward. Um, this is funny. I think I think we may have a we may have lists that are kind of inverted <laughs> uh, for various reasons. We'll we'll see as we'll see as we get into it. Uh, my number five. I I said this a second ago to just Seth. Um, they probably didn't make the final cut. This is a movie that I'm not I'm not contending is good, but it's a movie that I liked when I watched it. Um, and happens to have Affleck in it. Armageddon. Did you ever see Armageddon? No. So it is. It's Michael Bay. And if I could stay awake. Yep. <laughs> There's a sex scene with Ben Affleck and um, Bruce Willis. Uh, no, it's not Bruce Willis. It's um. <clears throat> oh my gosh, what is her name? Um, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler, that's right. Uh, Hell there's yeah. a, like a sex scene with her, him, with Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler, and it's the the soundtrack at that moment is Aerosmith's. Yeah. Um, 
uh, song, and that's her. His daughter is Liv weird. Tyler. Isn't that fucking gross? Ugh. Oh, it's a great man. scene though. Um, anyway, the movie is about uh, some like uh, miners uh, that are sent to, or no oil rig oil rig operators. Okay. That are I sent. Say, I, I hope it's not miners because <laughs> I could be yeah. taken the wrong way. Oh, gross. Um, the the oil rig operators are put on a spaceship and sent into space because they need to get onto an asteroid and drill into it and then place a bomb in it to pre- prevent the asteroid from hitting Earth and destroying everything. Uh, I know that that's a stupid ass premise. Uh, one of the common things people say about it is why would you teach oil rig operators to be astronauts when you can just teach astronauts how to run an oil rig. Um, <laughs> but they don't do that. Uh, and Bruce Willis and I think uh, Steve Buscemi might be in that too. Uh, they all fucking jump in a spaceship and go to space. And uh, it's it's loud and Michael Bay filled. There's lots of lens flaring and exploding stuff and intensity. And there's weird sex scenes starring Liv Tyler. And it's an entertaining movie that I watched when I was probably 15 and thought it was good. And I haven't watched it again to reform my opinion. So it makes my list now. Well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Number four. Uh, again, probably another can kick, but this is where I have Argo. You know what? Not a can kick. I have a number four as well. Oh, nice. Um, I Yeah, the, I mean, this is one that, I mean, obviously it won Best Picture, so it's good. Um, but... It's it's one that you don't think about being like a a, a movie a movie about making movies because <laughs> it's because mm-hmm. it's also like a you know like a war thriller but uh, no it's it's uh, I mean it's it's really well acted uh, Ben Affleck's great as because he's the director of it right the not the movie and the the in, inside the movie right he like he directs he directs Argo I think he's like a producer of the film oh, in okay. the film I'm, I'm not sure he's director I don't know but he's somehow in charge yeah yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's definitely tense. It's, um, I don't know. It's, it, I love the, I, I, and I love the look of it. It's very like a dark film. Like it's, it's, it's doesn't got a lot of color to it, but, um, well acted, uh, well directed. I mean, again, he won, but didn't, didn't he not get nominated for breast director? Like the movie had like no, like I didn't, they didn't have many nominations, but then it won best picture. Uh, it, it very well might have been a split. Um, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't even nominated. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't remember that Oscars well enough, but, um, yeah. I, I just remember it won best, best picture. And that was something of a surprise at that time. It was. Um, but no, I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I didn't think it was, it didn't blow me away or anything, but I did definitely enjoy it. And I was happy for, for him for, for that. Cause I've been a, you know, been a, been a Ben, Ben, been a fan of his, uh, through having worked with Kevin Smith and stuff a bunch. So this is kind of like the one I know, like the town was before it and had a lot of praise and, and, uh, you know, all that. But I think this is one that finally got him like credibility, which was cool. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like Argo. Yeah. I, I love it too. You said most of it. I, I the, the tension in near the end of this movie is so well done. Uh, they, they put, uh, what otherwise would be a very benign scene, uh, and I, I won't even describe what it is for for fear of spoilers, but uh, what otherwise is a very typical happening uh, adds so much intensity with what they're cutting back and t- forth between and how everything goes. And I know a lot of that was sort of dramatized for the movie and wasn't wasn't actually so tense, but um, the fact that it's a true story makes it all the more uh, interesting to watch. So Argo is a top-notch fucking movie. Obviously, like you said, best picture. Uh, high recommend for those who haven't seen it. Number three. Uh, that's where I have Chasing Amy. 
Number three. Didn't have it on my list. I suspected this is this is what I was talking about. I figured you'd have movies like Chasing Amy and potentially some Kevin Smith stuff that might invert yeah. your list. So that no surprise that you've got it in here. Okay. I mean, yeah, you reviewed it not too long ago, but um, you know, he he has he has some pretty pretty intense scenes in this movie um, with Joey Lauren Adams and um, you know it's again some of it's not exactly you know the most up to date stuff, but I think uh, at its core it still works and um, it's it's because of him i mean this is this is one that really like showed him as a as a lead in like a in a like that he can carry a movie in a in a drama you know he's he you know obviously he was, he's been in like goodwill hunting and but he wasn't you know that wasn't fully on him and um he'd been in some comedies and some other bad movies but this is this is one that like really showed what he can do uh and kevin smith wrote the crap out of it crap out of it for him so um, this is kind of the early early signs of what would be what would come for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as his acting goes in that, uh, certainly a highlight. To me, it looks like he's he's like really trying to act in this, and mm-hmm. I think later stage Affleck kind of has he's sort of drawn back into sort of stoic, quiet acting, and that's fine I, if that's what the the roles call for. But it, it, him like with acting with a lot of energy is something that you haven't seen in a long time, and that's a good example of it in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three was the can we kicked from a bit ago, The Town. And I, honestly, I've only seen The Town once, and it was a number of years ago, so I don't remember a ton of the details about The Town. What I do remember is it is fucking intense. Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like the whole time I was just like, yeah, like the kind of intense, <laughs> like, like you're rooting for them, like you want the intensity, and you're like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, like the whole... <laughs> <laughs> like the whole two hours. That's that's what I remember thinking about the town. Um, and uh, this is so fuck this is me, Affleck directing. Fuck me, <laughs> fuck me. Fuck me. Uh, <laughs> this is Affleck directing as well as starring. Is that right? Um. I, yeah, I think he did direct it. Yeah. So he did a fantastic job. Uh, one of the earlier appearances of Jeremy Renner, uh, which uh, got him sort of on the map uh, at that time as well. Um, just really well made. Boston is an interesting setting for for all things, but especially crime movies. And uh, Boston's truly like a character in this movie as well. Uh, Town is just an all around fucking great movie. Like it's just you know, just like we talked about with Argo, it's just it just is a good movie. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of the same boat for me. Um, with, I yeah, I just don't don't remember a ton of it, and, and kind of the same with Argo. Uh, Ar- Argo is a little bit more recent, but. Um, no, I I do remember it. You know, the same kind of being like that a, a tense a tense movie, and um, you know, it, it's one that people from like Boston that area just love because it it represents kind of it has like a Boston. You know, obviously it's set there, but it has like the Boston feel to it. That that's one thing people say he did a good job of is is capturing that, even though it's you know kind of crazy and stuff. But um, yeah, I I I do want to go back and watch it because it's been a while since I've seen it because there's some great performances. I think Melissa Leo was nominated for an Oscar for it. Um, but yeah, uh, really good movie. Number two. Um, I don't know. You might have this here. Uh, Gone Girl. I'm going to kick you on that one. Okay. I think we have our top two flipped. Uh, okay. my number two is Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Um, that's, that's so, my number one. Okay. Yeah. So my two one is Goodwill Hunting, Gone Girl, and yours is the flip of that, uh, which yeah. should be no surprise to folks. Uh, as far as well, why don't we do this? Uh, s- talk about your number one. So you do Goodwill Hunting, I'll do Gone Girl. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I was I was struggling going back and forth with with the two just because I mean Gone Girl is definitely more of his movie than Goodwill Hunting is, 
Uh, and I even kind of mentioned that earlier. I, you know, I feel like Goodwill Hunting. When I think of that movie, I think more of Matt Damon. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, he you know he co-wrote it as well with him. And um, yeah, it's it's a big part of this is their friendship and and uh, you know kind of the struggles there. And and um, I don't know. It's it th- this one. I feel like um, did it. You know what? I honestly, it's kind of. What's kind of weird is I almost I have a similar feeling of this one that that I do with like almost social network with kind of like the the but the the friendship type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird. I just have that same. I don't know. If, other than like the friendship thing, I, I don't know what the the parallels are. But then obviously you have um, Robin Williams, who's great in this one too. Like this is this is one that I have on on my Robin Williams Robin Williams list as well. So uh, just all around like super well-written characters uh great relationship written there um some really heartbreaking moments and and uh one of the best endings in movies all, of all time oh this movie goodwill hunting if you don't if you don't cry at any point in goodwill hunting fuck you that's all i have to say like that movie is wow. so emotionally just great you know and they well, it's a lot of things. One, it's it's really super well written and then incredibly well acted. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to see great performances, they're just they're everywhere in this movie, and it's just it's so it's got so much heart and it makes me feel so good. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I got to get it back in the rotation because it's yeah, it's just one of those movies that you're just like ah yes, this is this is great movie when you're by the time you're done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Gone Girl is a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> the thing the thing I heard that, that I that's really. A sequel. That Gone Girl's a sequel? Oh, I could see that. Yeah. To Good Will Hunting. Um, Gone Girl is interesting because um, I had a really good experience with this movie because I had no idea about the source material. And it's mm-hmm. one where if you go in without knowledge of the source material, there are some great surprises the whole way. This is, this is mystery and uh, suspense all the way through. There's a lot of really great twists and turns. Uh, Affleck is doing a really good job here in a difficult role playing the husband of the missing woman. Um, and he, I think he threads the needle on this. Like he doesn't play so sympathetic that you uh, are quick to defend him against accusations, but he also doesn't play so guilty that you can't empathize with him. It's an interesting spot that he hits in this. Um, and just the, the tense nature of it, the, the realism in it, uh, you know, they, they pretty much explain everything in this. Um, they don't have to yada yada too much. And the, the, the type of fear, <laughs> the type of fear in this movie, uh, that is so real. Like, it's not like being afraid of the boogeyman. It's being afraid of like people and what they can do, um, is, was really interesting to me. Um, and I remember we, we went and watched, we went and watched this. I don't want to pile on too much, but we, we went and watched this with a girl I was dating at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and, and she and I did not have a super healthy relationship. And there was probably some parallels there that, uh, nothing dangerous, but some parallels there that, that made me more attuned, uh, to what we were seeing in the movie. So maybe I'm more predisposed to like it than others, but, uh, talk about a movie that, that gets you exactly where it wants to get you. Like it wants you to be tense. It wants you to be afraid at times. And it does all of that. So it's incredibly fucking well-made and based on great source material. That was one of the big surprises for me of that year. That was one of my favorites of whatever year that was. Must've been, must've been 14, 15, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. But no, I, yeah, it, it, it's one that, um, one of those movies that I remember walking out of and just like exhaling, because it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> you're holding your breath through a lot of it, and um, yeah, just just crazy intense, and um, 
you know, a lot of turns and, and all that, but I love it. It's, it's, uh, I, I have, I think I've rewatched it once or twice since, and, uh, it, it definitely holds up. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, I think you wax enough poetic about it. <laughs> There's a, the opening and closing shots of this movie are, it's just like the chef's kiss, mwah, just like, uh, such art. <laughs> uh the way i don't know if you remember what i'm talking about but it's the it's it's close to the same shot that opens and closes the movie but the context is very different uh-huh. and uh and so it's it's oh, it's one of the most beauteous things i've seen in any movie is is the pairing of those two shots i love it i love it ah oh, what a what a nice a nice to heap praise on the career of ben affleck i don't think he gets enough of it um he's kind of the butt of a lot of jokes and stuff but uh uh Notably missing from our list, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and Justice League. I know people are screaming in their cars that we didn't include that. Sorry. Uh, We had to make sure we got the town in there. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any honorable mentions besides what we had? Um, Dogma would probably be an honorable mention for me. Another Kevin Smith one. Um, He's in a little bit of Mallrats. I liked him in Mallrats with his character. I don't have anything else, I don't think. Nothing comes out of the top of my head. Sweet. Alrighty, well, that's it for our Mambo number five. Top five Ben Affleck's movies uh, this week. Affleck's. Oh, if he got buff, that's what I would call him, Affleck's. Anyway, uh, if you want to weigh in on our list or anything else from the show this week, uh, Twitter and Facebook, we are at Soko Show Pod. Uh, so holla at us. With that, we are going to roll onward and we're going to get into a new edition of Making the Quota. <laughs> What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, folks, making the quota. Seth has scoured the internet for a movie quote, and I'm going to need to come up with the film that it was set in and the person, uh, character, or actor who said it. What do you got for me? Uh, you also kind of made a pun because you said we'll roll onward, and uh, I'll be reviewing that later. Ah, there's a little, uh, little foreshadowing for you. There you go. Um, so this is uh, making the quota. We kind of revamped it a little bit. It's, it's going to be a movie that uh, has some stars in it that are uh, in some upcoming movies that are being released this week. Um, Onward. So this will have some stars of Onward in it, um, or a star of Onward in it. So um, here we go. The quote is: "You know, sorry, you throw another moon at me, and I'm going to lose it." <laughs> Uh, I immediately know this because uh, I've seen this movie about a hundred times by now. Um, you throw another moon at me, and I'm gonna lose it. That that would be. Uh, I won't belabor the. I won't bury the lead. This is this is Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. in uh, Avengers: Infinity War. I have that right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My next guess was gonna be Impractical Jokers, the movie, but I was almost certain no one got a moon thrown at them in that. Um, um and it actually has both Tom Holland and Chris Pratt in it. It um, does. Marvel connection. Th- the the other uh, the the other quote I was thinking about doing was, "Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards." Which every time I see that, it makes me laugh. <laughs> that's a good one. That's that's Stark also, right? That's when Hulk won't. Yeah, turn. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the way he's, his delivery of that kills me every time. I've seen that movie a bunch too, and it just makes me laugh. Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, because Wong is like doing like the circle thing. You know, it's so fucking funny. He had, I think, when you when you put him, I mean, Downey Jr. was always perfect as Tony Stark. But then when you put him in the context of being surrounded by other heroes, 
um, he so often would point at the total dumbness of everything that was going on. And it like that, <laughs> the last two, well, he's a little more emotionally deep in Endgame, but in Infinity War, that's like peak Stark is when he's interacting with those other guys. Um, that mm-hmm. oh, I, That's just another chef's kiss for, for uh, Downey Jr. in yeah. that movie. Very well done. And it's funny, and it's it makes sense too because like, and that's that's another genius thing about like the writing and and his performance and stuff too is like, at, like you mentioned at the point that he starts that movie, he is at the height of Iron Man. Like he's mm-hmm. he's done everything. He's saved the world. He's you know he's got the best gadgets and suits and technology there is. Like he's he is the hero. And then by the end of that movie, he's lost everything. And it, it's those movies are way smarter than people give him credit for. And and because of everything that they had to include in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Super well done. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and in Marvel's Avengers Infinity War uh, is the subject of this week's Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, folks. Uh, big news this week. Uh, we're starting to get some some uh, information out of the novelization of Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, and that leads us right into our main topic this week for movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. So a lot of the things coming out um, from the novelization of Rise of Skywalker are like little details and things that you can't really see. In the movie, um, a couple of the things they they recontextualize uh, a kiss that happens in the movie, and then they also tell you um, they give you. Should we go spoiler free and like, or can we just fuck it and say what we're talking about? What do you think? I I say go for it. Okay, yeah. If you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, maybe skip this section, um, but because we're gonna mention a couple things. But you should have fucking seen it by now. It's Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, uh, so they talk about the kiss between. Ray and Kylo Ren, and they recontextualize it not as a kiss of love, but as a kiss of gratitude, um, because Kylo has just saves Ray, saved Ray's life. Um, and then they also say, what are a couple other things? They say that Palpatine's body is a clone, um, which makes sense, except it still really doesn't to me. That that doesn't that doesn't do much for me knowing that he's a clone, because his body mm-hmm. obviously got destroyed in Re- Re- Return of the Jedi, but. Where'd they fucking go to get his soul? I don't know how souls work. Anyway, so his body's a clone. That explains why he's attached to all that bullshit and looking all nasty. Um, And then they also, they confirm in there that Finn is feeling the force and feeling Rey within the force. Uh, That's what he's trying to say to her when the, when the, uh, they're going into the sand that time. So there's a couple other details and things that they add in here. Um, But it's, it, it, it got us thinking, got Seth thinking about uh, the need to read in addition to watching a movie and what we think of how that adds to potentially adds to, or takes away from maybe uh, what you saw on, on screen. So Seth, starting, starting with star Wars, do, do any of those context additions uh, add to the movie or change anything for you? No. Um, I mean, I do think that the whole, I would have liked to have seen more. And again, I don't really care that much <laughs> with star Wars and, you know, I kind of take it for what it is, but, um, I, you know, I would have liked to have seen more around like why he's back in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it just him, I, I was, well, I'll put it this way. I, when, you know, they announced him being back and then, you know, immediately when they show him in the movie, I was expecting a little bit of explanation. 
I didn't get it. They were just like, you know, basically he was just like, I'm back. And I, you know, I was still able to accept it. Like these are people, these are magic wizards with laser swords. Like I, I can accept pretty much anything you throw at me. So, you know, on one hand, I'm like, okay, he survived. That's fine. But then, you know, they add this in and, and say, well, okay, here's why. And they are doing it to try and uh, trying to appease the fans who really care that much, but I don't think it really worked. I think most people have just been more upset about it. And then that, that's where this whole debate has, has kind of um, come up from is like, do you, why, why should I have to read the book? Well, why is it, um, didn't you just make a bad movie if you <laughs> didn't include that stuff? Um, and I think on one hand, I get that point. Like you shouldn't have to, shouldn't have, like if, I guess in order for something to make sense, you shouldn't have to, well, I don't know. In order for a, a plot point, I guess, of, of a movie um, like that or something like where there's already established canon like that, in order to understand it or make sense in the movie, you know, on one hand, you shouldn't have to read it. But at, at the same time, too, I think that um, it, it really just depends because like we, we were talking about... Um, Marvel, like leading up to Infinity War, they had released uh, comics. They had released some companion comics that filled in some gaps, but none of the stuff that was filled in mattered with the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what's different here with like the Star Wars one, uh, is that in order to know why Palpatine is back, like uh, then you have to like read that. So I think that's where the difference is because like the stuff that happened in, in the Marvel one was like very like none again none of it was referenced in the movie and it didn't matter to why like Thanos is doing this or that whereas this is like in order to know why Palpatine's on your screen you have to read it. So that's where I think the the debate is and that's where I think there's some legitimacy to it but I also at the same time I think I, I think there's enough suspense of disbelief. Like if, if this was if if they released um for the Irishman if they they released uh, a, a novelization of it that's you know it takes you fourteen hours to read or whatever, mm-hmm. but they released a novelization and they're, and they're like, okay, this is why he's called the Irishman, and they don't include that in the movie, then that's an issue, right? But if they release a, a novelization that um, gives more detail to why he's the Irishman, then that's that's a different story. I know you didn't see the Irishman, but. And they don't really explain that, but at the same time, it's like that you understand why. So that's not a great example for you, but, um, you know, it it just kind of depends on the context. Right. Yeah. I I think I get where you're driving at though. So it's the difference between do I have to read this to understand what's going on or Mm -hmm. is it adding some nice, uh, sort of, uh, seasoning to what exists. And I think in the case of star Wars, what's interesting and, and you said it right at the top was do you care, right? So if if I need to know why Palpatine is back um, and then I can go to the book and get that additional detail, then that is an issue for for me as an individual, right? Like I need, I need to know why Palpatine is back and you made me go to the book to find that out. That's bullshit. But mm-hmm. if you're more like you and you can go to the movie and go, oh, Palpatine's back? Cool. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Then then the, the added detail in the book doesn't matter to you. And so... I think that is where I'm okay with it. I never like um, a situation where you're forced to go consume additional material to understand what's going on. Uh, I don't love that, but um, I do love 
whenever you can go and get further context and get more deep into the world if you want. Uh, Harry Potter has been huge about this, right? Uh, J.K. Rowling is always introducing new shit. That doesn't really mean anything to the story, but for big fans, it's like, oh, cool. It's a good thing to know extra, right? Uh, I'm all for that, but um, my attitude is more with the folks who are complaining about the novelization, like, if, if, it's, if it's important to the movie, the movie should have told me that, right? That, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. No, I mean, that... Because, let me, let me ask you this then. So, like, for the, the Marvel stuff, mm-hmm. not the comics, but you've mentioned in the past, like, the TV shows. Um, so, that's additional material that you have to watch. Mm-hmm. It, we don't know exactly how that's going to come into play. But do you do you hold that in the same so like let's say with with um, the, I think the big rumor is WandaVision. Uh, WandaVision is going to play directly into Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. If you don't watch WandaVision by the time you see Doctor Strange and there there is some stuff in the story that you won't quite understand. Are you so that that'll still make you upset just as much as like the books would or like in the Star Wars case, you don't really care that much. So will that you know, how, how do you anticipate that impacting you? So there's a couple things at play. One, I really don't like the idea that I need to watch a TV show to get a movie. I don't like that in general, but I will say this. I, 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 I am more inclined to let Marvel off the hook because they've given us so much warning of that, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. paying attention to Marvel, you know that. And so at that point, you're making a choice about whether or not to get the background information that they're already telling True. you they're going to need. I think it's a little different in cases where you don't know going in that there's even that information available. Um, mm-hmm. and, and everybody knows the novelization of the Star Wars books come out, but they don't typically come out after the movie. They usually come out right mm-hmm. with it. And so I think in a case where if you've warned everyone and said, this is what you need to know, uh, that I can be more okay with than I just sat through this two-hour movie and now I'm confused and then you say, here's all the details, and now I have to go do that in order to get it. <laughs> that, that I don't love. Uh, Marvel, in that case, with WandaVision, I've, I know in the past I've been like really worked up about that. I've, I understand that Marvel is different and, and operates differently than most other things. So I can, I can be at least a little bit forgiving um, uh, as it relates to Marvel specifically. Yeah. No, I, and yeah, I mean, for me too, I plan on watching all that. So I'm, I'm very excited for it all, but I know you, you kind of fall in different camps because uh, your TV watching is, is kind of sporadic. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and in the way that, cause you know, then I think it kind of gets into a broader, broader conversation about like sequels, like in, and you know, Marvel being a 20 film franchise and you know, like that, again, that's kind of on you for not seeing, you know, the past three movies or whatever. So um, you know, I, I, I think though that I think we're kind of on the same page here that like it's, it, it's kind of cheap and it's, it's, you know, in a way, not the best filmmaking in the world, but also at the same time, I don't think most time when they do this, it doesn't, they basically with how they do it in the movie is still done to an, to a point where you're like, okay, I, I get it. You know, right. <laughs> like if none, none of it, like if they would have been like, um, explaining Palpatine's, or if, if they would have, if they would have like later in the movie, um, done more stuff with like, if if there would have been like three more Palpatines or something like that, just that pop up all of a sudden, they don't explain this clone stuff and how that all works, then that's an issue. But for that, there was enough suspension of disbelief in this case where I think it's think it's okay, and and most people should just 
calm down. <laughs> yeah, as it relates to Star Wars, definitely. Um, th- this got me thinking too about some other things. Actually, there was a movie I'll review later that that I watched and and I wanted to go and read like a someone explained this movie to me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, I think that's entirely different. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. time, especially if you come out from like a horror movie or something that's full of like uh, lore or um, something really metaphorical. Uh, one of the things I really like to do, uh, Mother is a great example of this, um, the Jennifer Lawrence movie from a few years back. Um, I came out of that movie and I was like, okay, I, I enjoyed that. I don't know if I understood it. And so I Googled it, read some explanations online and was like, oh, that's what they were doing. I love this now. And I, I definitely think that there should be room for that because like if you went, um, if you went to an art gallery and you saw like an abstract painting, there would be the artist there saying, okay, here's kind of what I'm trying to do here, right? They can explain that to you and then you can look at it and say, oh yeah, that's awesome. And when it comes to stuff like that, I'm all for like reading the explanation afterwards, when it, especially when it's metaphorical. In the case of Mother, it was super rewarding. So I, I'm curious, Seth, like how often do you Google like explain this to me and then how often does that like add to your experience of what you just walked out of? I think, I mean, it kind of depends because, yeah, there's a lot of art house movies that I go to and, um, you know, some of these these A24 type horror movies that that kind of have that where the ending could be left up to interpretation. And sometimes there's even like situations where I know I've I think I know the ending or understood it or understood what I what I took from it. uh, And I've come upon a different explanation later. Um, What I what I tend to like to do is if I feel like I know how, you know, the, the ending of it then I just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm conf- but if I'm confused, then I will uh, go look it up. Or like Jared has been doing a lot of ending explained uh, <laughs> videos and things like that. And, and they're jokey, but there's also some real ones in there too, like some explanations in there too. Uh-huh. He had a fucking, he had a one that I, I found out this weekend he uh, fabricated um, <laughs> with the lodge. Um, but but uh, no, but I mean, you know, so some some of those, like if, if I don't understand at all, I do like reading them and, and putting the pieces together and, and that type of thing. Um, but then sometimes I also like looking up and figuring out I'm, I'm figuring out I'm correct, too. So that's that's also fun. But um, no, it's it, it. I like it. I do enjoy doing that because it's it's not that you don't understand the movie um, entirely. Like, it's just you don't know exactly what to what to maybe take from or what the filmmaker was going for 100 mm-hmm. percent, or there's just multiple things you can take from it. sometimes it is fun just to go see what else you can take from it so yeah i i do enjoy that i think that's a lot of fun and it's fun to discuss with people too yeah definitely i love the conversations like especially when it's heavy mot- metaphors like about what different people see in it what the artist meant um i would love i wish we both lived in cities where there were like the screenings where there are the filmmakers are there, right? And you, there's like Q and A and stuff. That stuff would be super cool because then you can. They're there to tell you this is what I meant, right? And you don't always mm-hmm. get that, uh, even with all the press and, and articles and stuff that get written. You don't you don't always get that. So, um, I dig it. I dig it. Um, so this is an interesting uh, interesting kind of case. Of course, obviously, with the advent of the internet in the last twenty years, like this is everywhere. There's not a movie that exists that you can't Google explain this to me, and someone's got all the metaphors and shit laid out for you online. <laughs> Um, we'll talk more about a movie that I did that for, uh, in a bit, but, um, yeah, this is an interesting topic. Let us know guys. What do you think of novelizations for star Wars? What do you think of companion comics? Uh, and what do you think of having to go online to have the, the art explained to you? Do you, do you mind getting extra homework or, or do you, do you fight it? 
let us know on Facebook and Twitter at SoCo Show Pod uh, what your thoughts are on this. And now it's time for Raid That Pun. What would you get if you put a lawyer in a suit? A lawsuit. Six. All right, folks, time for one of our newest segments. Here comes First Impressions. That don't impress me much. That's just good music right there. Uh, First Impressions is the segment where uh, Seth is going to give me the option of a few different actors or actresses. And uh, my job is going to be to come up with their first major uh, film or TV project. So we're getting to the origin stories of some of the Hollywood stars here. So, Seth, who do we got this week? Uh, Mention Onward is coming out. uh, Big release. So we have the three stars of that. We got Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Ooh. This is, I have what I think are good guesses for each of those three. I'm probably wrong on all of them. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Tom Holland. I think my Tom Holland guess is best, um, but hopefully you've got some hints for me. All right. Um, I don't know if you're good. I don't think there's any way you'd get this. Um, but it, I guess this counts because there's real stars in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an animated movie. Um and by animated, I'll say it's like anime. Um, it stars Will Arnett, Amy Poehler, um, Carol Burnett has a voice. Saoirse Ronan has a voice in it. Holy or, shit! Or, or Olivia Coleman, Mark Strong. It's got quite the cast. Jesus, yeah, that's a dope ass <laughs> cast. It's an anime. Yeah. Um, huh. Came out in tw- came out in twenty ten. It's the Clock Family, four inch tall people. Oh. It's not the name of the movie. Oh, fuck. What are these idiots called? Um, I think I know what you're talking about. I think it's a Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah. Oh, shit. Ugh. My girlfriend's going to be pissed that I don't know this. She's probably screaming at the fucking car. Um, the... What the fuck? I keep wanting to say, like, the Squicker Wonkers, but <laughs> that's like... Uh, that's like A um, racial slur. <laughs> Well, it probably is, but it's also, uh, I think it's Evangeline Lilly's, like, series of kids' books. Um, I don't know why I know that. Okay, what Studio Ghibli movies do I know? Uh, Princess Mononoke, Howl's Flying Castle. It's not the box trolls, (laughs) I don't think, is it? (laughs) Um, No. Yeah, those are all the Ghibli movies, or Ghibli movies that I know. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, I I give up, you're going to have to give it to me. Uh, it says the secret world of Arietti. That yep. Okay. So we had uh, Regal hosted uh, Ghibli Fest this past year, and so um, I've seen a lot of the posters for the their movies. Like every month they would play one on like a Wednesday, and I went to one or two. Um, I can't remember which ones, but they uh, they do a good job with those movies. They're really really well made. Um, so uh, yeah, the secret world of Arietti. Uh, is one that I remember having seen on that list, but not one that I knew that Tom Holland was in. And that's probably, I'm not certain of this, but it's probably like the English dubbed version of it. Like the original one probably had Asian actors. Um, uh-huh. But damn, did they get a banging cast for the American version. Holy shit. <laughs> when did, um, so my guess for Tom Holland was going to be the movie Locke. Uh, do, you, do you see that on your, I don't know if you have his filmography pulled up. What year did that come out? 
2013. His first movie that like was he was in in um, was The Impossible. Oh fuck! That was the tsunami the, movie with like Owen Wilson. Yep, um, Ian McGregor, Naomi Watts. I don't see Owen Wilson though. <laughs> I'm confusing him with another one. Um, Probably Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that movie coming out. Uh, I think it's a lot of Naomi Watts. She's trying to protect the kids. He must be one of the kids. Um, that's crazy. I forget how young he is. Like his first fucking movie was in like what 2011 or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. That's wild. That's wild. Uh, Locke is a good one. He actually is only a voice in Locke. That's that movie. I don't know if you ever watched that with um, Tom mm-hmm. Hardy where he's in the car the whole time. Yeah, I know about it. I haven't seen it, though. Yeah, uh, that's a recommend, and it's got Tom Holland's voice. That was my guess. I was I was pretty excited about it. Um, anyway, that is uh, first impressions for Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland. That don't impress me much. All right, uh, we roll onward, and I'm going to review a little film that I watched as part of our segment, We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and... You're going to need a bigger boat. I had an incredibly um, interesting and rewarding time watching Loose last night. Um, this is a movie oh, yeah. that uh, <laughs> I was going to watch it a couple months ago, and you're like, no, don't. I want to put it on your list. And so you did. <laughs> and so now I've seen it. So this is uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. stars uh, as the titular Loose. Um, and then you have Naomi Watts, who we mentioned a second ago. Um uh, Tim Roth and Octavia Spencer are the supporting cast. Uh, Luce, if you don't remember, is a a former child soldier in Africa who was rescued and brought to the U.S. And so he has white parents in the U.S. And he's grown up now as a senior in high school into like total A plus valedictorian student, athlete, great all around kid, well rounded. Uh, and then some stuff starts to happen that. Um, Octavia Spencer starts to suspect that maybe that former child soldier part of him is still lingering there and he might be dangerous. Um, so that's kind of the general idea of the film. There's lots of really interesting kind of twists and turns in here. The first thing I'll say is I was not, this movie was uh, tonally different than what I thought it was going to be in a good way, in a good and interesting way. I thought we were going to get so, a more kind of sweet, like sugary sweet green book type uh, movie about about this kid's racial identity is what I thought I was going into, and what we got was way different. Uh, this movie yeah. is a thriller. It's a thriller, and it's mm-hmm. um, it is based on a play. I didn't know that either. And um, essentially, the question is: Is Luce dangerous, or is Octavia Spencer's character for some reason out to get him? And what's interesting about this um, is they don't really tell you what, which is right. Um, and so the whole movie, uh, I came in ready to fully get behind Luce and I was like, oh yeah, this is our guy. Like he's my protagonist, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the movie doesn't really do that. Uh, you, spend, you spend most of your time with Luce, but they never give you, there are things you need to know in order to draw judgments about what's going on in this movie. And they never really tell you the whole story. So what's interesting about this movie is you spend the whole time, like you can make choices about who you believe and who you empathize and sympathize with, but the movie never really gives you a literal correct answer. And I thought that was really, really interesting. I was, I was Mm -hmm. not prepared fully to think as much as this movie made me think, but I was really glad, 
that I did. You said this a lot when you reviewed Loose uh, and later on Waves, but I will heap more praise on Kelvin Harrison Jr. This kid, holy shit. He's doing <laughs> some stuff in this. And it's relative. The movie's really well written. It was written first as a stage play. So the writing is there, but he's doing some really interesting stuff in this that is totally out of the box. Um, he's having to have multi layered acting in his character. You see different stuff kind of poke through at different points. Um, really nuanced stuff from him. I was super, super impressed. Uh, and it makes me want to go watch Waves immediately so I can see more of this kid. Um, Octavia Spencer is really good here too. Um, and so is Naomi Watts. She's doing a lot, uh, in this as the mom who, um, she's struggling with whether, whether or not to believe Luce's side of the story because he's her son and, uh, whether she should do that or whether she should truly consider the fact, the, the idea that he may be potentially dangerous. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. It was so much different than what I expected, but I was really happy with what I got. Uh, it's another movie. I talked earlier about the closing shot of Gone Girl. The closing shot of Loose is, I just got a chill just when I said it. Um, <laughs> it's it's so just, ugh, just the whole movie in three seconds is the closing shot of Loose. Um, this was super, super nice. And, uh, you know, it, he's a character who struggles with his racial identity. He struggles with... Uh, whether or not he should be what is expected of him, uh, what type of responsibilities he has as a high-performing person of color, and what that means not only for him but for the people around him. Uh, there was a lot there that I could kind of sympathize with, um, and and that maybe pulled me deeper into the story. Um, mm-hmm. But he, even, even though, and that's what I expected, was, oh, here's someone like me, uh, but he even has a lot more nuance uh, and differences in his background uh, than I myself do. So while I was able to connect a lot with his character, there was a lot of really new stuff and a lot of thinking that I had to do. Um, it's, it's not common that I come out of a movie about race going, well, you know, I, I learned a couple things, um, about that. (laughs) Usually the thing I learn is, yeah, white people are shitty to black people sometimes. Um, but, uh, this was just, uh, it was so much deeper, um, than I anticipated. It had so much more to say. I did a, a fair amount of reading afterwards about the different metaphors and things and the different mm-hmm. themes. And it, I would encourage those who have seen it to, to go after that stuff. It's super rewarding. Um, just, uh, I bit into a candy bar and I didn't know it was going to have nuts in it. And I was so happy <laughs> to find out that when I, when I realized there were nuts in my mouth, I was stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's nice. I think we got our title for the show. Um, but oh, uh, very, very happy with, Surprise with the loose recommendation. <laughs> Surprise nuts. <laughs> and nougat. Don't forget the nougat. Oh, so yeah. much nougat. Uh, timely. Yeah, no, a lot of a lot of the issues that they talk about are super timely, too. It's just, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about loose, honestly. It was really, I think it might have made my, uh, it would have been very near, if not within my top 10 of last year, had I watched it in 2019. I'll say that. Yeah, I was I was about to about to ask you that actually if it would have been in there because I think it was in Jared's if I remember correctly, but um, and it was just like it was like eleven like it was really close for me, but um, yeah, I I I agree with everything you said and 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 actually when we were talking about like looking stuff up after the movie like that's that's one that came to my mind of of something I did after was uh, and there wasn't much at the time because it was like brand new, um, and so I'd be interested to go go back and and read it now, but. Um, cause that's when I even like reread, um, some of like other, like online, you can read like the, 
movie spoilers essentially where they you know write basically write the whole plot of the movie so i like rewrite it a couple times and then there was a couple like reviews online people had posted and and where they talked about the meaning and so this is one that i that i definitely remember doing that for and and enjoyed uh getting a couple different uh points of view out of it Mm -hmm. absolutely there's so much great so much great high recommend for loose for those who haven't seen it uh available for free on hulu right now is where i watched it. oh really yeah you can check it out there um, you gotta watch a couple commercials beforehand if you don't pay the extra, but, um, you uh, still have Hulu. I do. I was going to get rid of it. And then, uh, I didn't, I don't remember why there was something on there I wanted to watch. So yeah, I, that, that's still, you can still use that if, if you're trying well, to. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I've been struggling through these goddamn stupid, like network apps. Like ever, you know, what's pissing me off right now. And this is a complete tangent. So I watched the Goldbergs and schooled on ABC and their app, I literally, if I want to Chromecast any of the <laughs> their episodes, each time I want to watch a new episode, I have to uninstall, reinstall, and then sign back in to, to the goddamn app for it to Chromecast. And what? it's pissing me off more and more every goddamn time. <laughs> wow, they really don't want you to binge watch their shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so frustrating. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to re-download Hulu then. Yeah, yeah, get on that. I'm going to keep it for the foreseeable future you and you and probably half of our listeners are probably going to jump back on my hulu thing now um <laughs> it's a lot of people on my hulu <laughs> um the uh you were talking about the network apps i I've, i was watching some stuff on the fox app and the thing that frustrated mm-hmm. me about that was i got the same commercial every time it cut to break and it drove <laughs> me fucking crazy oh i hated it the only good network one is, and this is now it's a complete tangent, but the only good network one I've had is NBC. They actually do mm-hmm. a pretty good job. But like even AMC just will fucking randomly like, oh, no, you're not watching this no more. It'll just <laughs> shut off. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's some bullshit. But Hulu, yeah. For for those who out, out there who have my Hulu password, it's, it's still active. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, all that within We Missed the Boat. And uh, before we wrap things up, Seth, uh, my list is now down to four. I'm going to need a new film to replace Luz. I'm signing back into Hulu. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to have that back. Welcome back, Hulu. And I'll be able to watch uh, Shrill and uh, Handmaid's Tale eventually. Um, New movie to your list. Let us see. Got to take off Luz. You know what? You mentioned earlier. Let's throw waves on there. Oh, great. Yes. More Kelvin Harrison Jr. Probably we'll watch that within the next two days. (laughs) (laughs) I have a pretty nice, uh, well-rounded list. I, I found, I was like, I was like, these are movies for different moods. Uh, last night when I sat down to watch one of these. Uh, right now I have Toy Story 3, Young Adult, Mall Rats, I, Tanya, and Waves are my five. So um, after Seth has his turn, I will be back to review one of those. Uh, but Seth will be up next. And what, what do you got right now for your five options? Um, well, I... And I actually thought about it because I was like, oh, man, I have to fit, fit some time in to watch one. But I already have a ticket for one. But, oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, V for Vendetta, The Game, Space o- 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Catch Me If You Can. Um, and I'm going to see 2001 A Space Odyssey on Friday. Um, there you go. And, on the big screen, 70 millimeters. So, <sighs> I'm so jealous. Um, yeah, so that, that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, that we already know what I'll be seeing. There you go. Yeah, so a little bit drama-free uh, Mambo next week. Or not Mambo, but we missed the boat next week. So uh, come on back to hear Seth's review of 2001, A Space Odyssey, a movie that's only 52 years old. Um, so uh, come back come back for We Missed the Boat next week to, to check that out. Oh, I'm on a boat, and 
You're going to need a bigger boat. All right. We turn now from last year's Loose to this year's movies, uh, specifically those that came out this past weekend. Uh, we have two brand new ones to review, and then I want to put two cents in on a couple movies that Seth saw last week. Let's jump into reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. <laughs> I hated it. Okay, so really quickly before we jump into this most recent week, uh, I saw a couple movies from the prior week that Seth has already reviewed. Uh, the first was The Lodge, uh, which is the kind of horror thriller entry. And I would 100% agree with something you said, Seth, that it reminds you of an A24 movie without actually being one. Uh, mm-hmm. Super ethereal, super kind of high-minded, uh, with a very, very interesting twist uh, that I was I was surprised by. Um but this was this was probably this is up there near the top. We'll talk about another horror movie in a second. Um, but as far as horror goes for the new year, this has got to be right up near the top at two or one. Uh, very well made, well shot, well acted, uh, highly suspenseful and highly what the fuck uh, at various times. So the lodge is a suggestion. Uh, I would I would recommend uh, as Seth did that last week. And then a very pleasant surprise for me, uh, the Impractical Jokers movie. Uh, Seth reviewed this last week as well, and. I just, I went in and I'm not a huge fan of that show. Um, certainly not as much as you are, Seth, but the, but I had such a fun time at this and there was a, there was a reasonable amount of people at my theater and we all kind of shared some laughs together and it was just a fun time. Uh, it, it's one of those things that is just funny. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's a reason the show has been on for nine seasons. Like it, the shit they do is just funny and it's hard not to laugh at. So it's it's one of those like take a friend, have a beer, and just sit back and get ready to laugh. Like there's some gut busters in this fucking movie. Uh, I was <laughs> very very pleasantly surprised by by Impractical Jokers. I had a great great time. Uh, so let's look now at the the week that was. Uh, we'll start uh, with the movie that was uh, widely released this last Friday. Uh, one of the competing horror movies for the top spot so far of this year, uh, The Invisible Man. So this is Lee 1L directed and Elizabeth Moss starring um, as a woman whose apparently deceased husband is now apparently invisible and fucking with her. Uh, You've seen a lot of commercials there advertising the shit out of this. Uh, Highly successful already. It was only like a $7 million budget, uh, but it's doing Mm -hmm. gangbusters at the box office. So uh, we'll see about a a sequel uh, depending on the box office returns, but I wouldn't be surprised to see one. Um, I'll I'll go first here with Invisible Man and just say that Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Moss is acting her ass off in this. And I, (laughs) I don't, I don't watch Handmaid's Tale and I didn't watch Mad Men. uh, So I haven't gotten to see her really showcased very often. Not as much as the rest of America seems to have. Uh, and she is stretching a lot here and in a good way. She's, she's asked to do a lot. She's a very interesting character. She shows power at different times and vulnerability at others. Uh, she goes through a ton of emotional sort of variety and doesn't, in a lot of scenes, doesn't have another person to act against. So the first, the first thing I would put into for submission is that she is incredible in this. I think carries the mm-hmm. movie and is most of the reason why it works so well. Yeah. Um, she does. I mean, she does an amazing job of, of, like if she wasn't as terrified as she is in that movie at times, um, I don't think you're as terrified as 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 uh, as you are watching it at times. And like, um, you know, just the scenes where, you know, she thinks she sees something or thinks she hears something or, um, or you know, is trying to get people to believe her, and it's it's all just like very, she is very. Um, 
I mean, she she just she looks like she has the most anxiety that anyone has ever had. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she is really great. And for me, you know, again, seeing her as uh, you know the hand in Handmaid's Tale as really, I mean, she's been in some other stuff. I saw her in an indie movie called Her Smell, and she was really good in that. Played a much different character. Um, but seeing her as you know, it kind of have similar types of reactions in a way um at least like some of the distressing moments or pain pain moments that she has in visible man uh she also has those in handmaid's tale um i she she did a great job disappearing though like in in this in this role like i didn't this it's kind of like the test that i always have is like if if i don't see especially like someone like i've seen a lot in tv or other movies and stuff if i don't see that character um like at all this you know very quickly then you know, I, I feel like they, they did a great job, and, and that happened with her. She instantly, um, and they do a good job of, of introducing it all right away and making it very quick. And, like, the opening, just from the beginning of the movie, the opening scene is already extremely intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they do a great job of, of, you know, making that, making you immediately feel for that character just without even any dialogue. So, uh, it's, it's uh, her performance is fantastic. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I would also, on such a tight budget, they did, I think, as well as you could hope for in terms of the effects and things in this. Um, mm-hmm. There weren't maybe one or two little things that looked kind of silly to me, but for the most part, I thought it was really well done. Whenever the Invisible Man is is interacting with something, uh, I think that's done well enough. There's a couple examples of that that are uh, that are done so well and are so like shocking. I, I think you can think of what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. that you're just like, whoa, like the invisible guy just fucking did that. Right. And, uh, yeah. the, you mentioned the tension of this movie cause you never, this is different from like hollow man, which is based on the same story. Um, because in hollow man, you can generally see what's going on. Like he's talking or he's moving through something and you can see him most of the time. Most of the time in this movie, you can't see him. So you don't even, you don't even know if he's there. Uh, much mm-hmm. less what he's about to do. So that really, that tension and that unease all the way through uh, was really, really rewarding. Um, this is top-notch stuff on a tight budget. This Lee Wanell, who he's been a writer and at times a director on some of the Insidious movies and some of the Conjuring Universe movies. Uh, he actually just signed a first look deal for with um, Blumhouse. And he is, if you don't know, uh, he's the actor, he's one of the two actors in the first Saw movie. He's the guy that mm-hmm. uh, that wakes up in the bathtub. So uh, really, really well done. He's going to put out more great shit. I, I, I know it. Um, but Invisible Man, one of the highlights I think of 2020 so far, in my opinion. I haven't seen as much as you have, um, but it would be it would be near the top of my list for what I've seen and what's I'm honestly been a garbage year so far. Um, <laughs> but this was a this was a really really good entry. I was I was hopeful that this would be good and it, it achieved as much as I could have hoped for. Yeah, I agree. It's it's up there for me. It's it's uh, in the top two, top two or three for me right now, um, which is funny because like that's occupied by a couple horror movies. But um, but no, I, I I definitely love this. I mean, it's it's a movie that like sitting there throughout. I just wanted the the tension to kind of go away, and you know, it's it's like you know, it's you just kind of you just want to see what's going on, but you can't, and that that's the genius of it is that um, any moment that you're watching the screen. Um, as soon as there is, as soon as you know there's an invisible man, um, you just don't know what's going to happen. Anything could happen at any point. There are a few moments that are kind of predictable, but some of the shots in there, uh, you know, like there, there's one in particular, like you mentioned that I was thinking of that. Um, it's just, it's, it's a moment in a movie where you're just like, what the fuck? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's obvious, but it's also like, that's genius because 
you wouldn't think of that. You think you're, you think in the scenario that something like that couldn't happen, but it does. It's, it's really, it's really cool. Um, and then there's some like, there's some like cheer moments like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, like just Mm -hmm. some, some really cool things that, that go on in here. Just like really creative, really creative stuff. Like you said with, with, and that's what happens with, with small budgets is that, um, you tend to get more creative with what you have. So, mm-hmm. um, you have some great performances, great directing, cool effects, and, uh, some, some real, and then the way it's shot is really cool. There's some really interesting, like, um, kind of like hallway type shots where it just feels like it's kind of closed in. They hold on stuff for, for a long time. There's, mm-hmm. there's also like a, um, kind of, you know, par- uh, paranormal activity where they, the, the camp, they have the camera on the, on the, the fan. Yep. And it goes back and forth. They do that a couple times for different effects. Um, like it shows a hallway and then pans into a to the living room and then goes back and stuff like like just really really cool stuff. Um, I I loved this movie. I, I was again kind of surprised that I that I enjoyed it as much as I did. But this was supposed to be the uh, the kind of continuation of the Universal horror, um, mm. like that whole because it was supposed to be the Mummy and then this and then the Mummy obviously sucked and didn't make much money and all that. So. Um, we'll see if they continue down the road with more of these um, universal monster movies. But, um, you know, I would I would definitely see um, more of this stuff if they, you know, they I think they could figure out a way, you know, to to keep going with this and stuff. So I, I would be I, I would be down for more Invisible Man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention there there are some themes, some interesting themes in this, too. Uh, it's not it's not quite as simple as the guys invisible and scary. Like there's a lot of. Um, abusive relationship type things, uh, emotional mm-hmm. manipulation that they talk about, uh, the feeling, they analogize the feeling of an invisible guy being around um, to the feeling of uh, a victim uh, or a survivor of, of certain uh, types of assault that that never really goes away. It's kind of that omnipresence that people feel. That anxiety you mentioned earlier is super present and they, they take it, they put it in the form of this invisible scary man, but then they he's invisible. So it's that it's, there are scenes in this that are as close as anything I can describe to other people when they ask about like, what is it like to have anxiety? Uh, it's that feeling and you're watching her have it where something is wrong, but you don't know what it is. And, uh, they do that really well in here and it didn't seem ham handed at all. Uh, that's a concern when you, when you go into a movie that, you know, has a message like this, that you worry it's going to be like overly cheesy and it's not, they don't shove it in your face, but uh, it, just like we talked about a moment ago, if you went on and read online uh, more details about the movie, you would probably read a lot about how they analogize him to anxiety and and sort of that post-trauma type stuff. Um, and I thought that all was handled really well in a way that was responsible and meaningful and not over the top. And it was rewarding and added that extra level um, that I think maybe is part of what elevates it above just a typical good horror movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I... I... That, I guess yeah, that that's definitely something that that I should have mentioned too. But yeah, it's it's uh, it, that that's one thing that kind of was talked about a lot going into the movie is that it is very much not you know not just a you know horror movie, but it's it is um, a serious um, you know a, a serious take on emotional and, and abusive relationships, um, and that's 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 really where the fear comes from with with her. It's not the that there's someone invisible. It's it's really that it's that person who has been a you know abusing her is still around to to do this now they just have an extra way to do it but mm-hmm. if, if he would have been there visible like if, if she would if, if he would have been 
uh, visible the whole time, standing, you know, a hallway or whatever, she would be just as scared as if, you know, he, she couldn't see him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that that's the way that was all done is, is, uh, was, was, I think not, it was definitely not done in like a cheesy way or anything like that. It was, it was done honestly, which I, which I enjoyed. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Lots of good reasons to check out the invisible man, uh, in theaters now and make it a bunch of money. So it's probably available in a theater near you. Uh, this next movie is one, uh, Seth, that you caught early, not released until this weekend, but you and JB went and saw an early screening last weekend. Yeah, we saw, um, I was going to come up with something dumb, but I'm not going to, I can't <laughs> think of anything. Um, uh, uh, we saw Onward uh, a little bit early, which is the kind of rare for a Disney movie or Disney Pixar movie to, to release early. Um, they tend to kind of stay to their release windows and kind of have embargoes up and, and stuff like that. And this movie has been reviewed for a few weeks now, even prior to the, the advanced screenings. So uh, they're really trying to get it out there, get people to see it. And, and I would uh, definitely encourage people to do that. Um, so Onward is, uh, again, an animated movie. It's um, it's uh, kind of takes place in like a mystical or magical world with, you know, th- you know those type of animals like... Uh, like unicorns and and um like griffins and and stuff like that um the main characters though are like um not goblins warlocks i guess i don't know like they're i don't know they're they're blue you've seen them in the trailer like they're they're blue magical type people and um the point of this is that magic is gone so like they live in our world essentially like people had magic to do stuff that we could do in our world but um, people figured out ways through technology to make it easier. Like, you know, things that we have actually have like cell phones and, um, ovens and, and all that stuff. Basically they figured out ways to where they didn't have to have, um, people do magic because they, you were able to figure it out through technology easier. So magic goes away cause it's not being used anymore. And, um, Tom Holland and, and Chris Pratt, I don't remember their character names, but they're, they're brothers and their father passed away. Um, when they were young, Tom Holland didn't ever meet him, and uh, Chris Pratt was really young when he passed. And um, f- after they both turn 18, uh, their mother, who's Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus, um, they give, uh, basically he was told by her husband, their father, that to give them something when they turn, when they're both 18, and that ends up being what you see in the trailer is a staff. And th- this this staff, there's a, a gem that allows them to cast a spell and bring back their father. And when they do that, again, you've seen this in the trailer, only his legs come back. They, the The spell goes wrong, um, and uh, the gem breaks, and they now need to go on a journey to bring back, uh, to go find another one of those gems and, and bring back their father fully before, sun, before sunset the next day. So they have 24 hours, essentially, to do it. Um, otherwise, they're not they can never do this again and never see their father again. And Tom Holland really wants to see his father because he never had a chance to meet him. And that, that's the movie is that journey. Um, and, and it, it explores because Tom Holland is, is, um, he's kind of like the promising kid. He's wanting, he's getting ready to go to college, the same college his father went to. Um, but Chris Pratt is, is taking a gap year, they, they say. And, and he, uh, he's a little bit more of like a, he's way more into like the magic stuff because, it, it it's like how magic is in our world. It's like a it's a it's a fairy tale. It's a it's you know it's it's just a story, um, and most people don't believe it because it happened years and years and years ago. Um, but Chris Pratt is his character is someone who does like D and D and is into all that magic stuff, and he believes it. And obviously, it gets proven through his father and all that stuff. But um, so he's he's much more of he's a he's kind of like the uh, kind of like a bumbling idiot or like almost like a uh, kind of like a. a 
he's definitely like socially awkward and things like that. He's just not, doesn't have a ton of friends. Like he's taken the year off and, um, you know, he's, he's just kind of looked, looked down upon in a little bit of a way. Um, uh, whereas Tom Holland's character is the opposite. He, you know, he has a lot of future. He has a lot of promise and, and, but he still, you know, wants to, to go meet his father. And so the movie is really more, it is about that relationship and wanting to meet the father, but it's way more about their relationship, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland and, and getting to it, you know they they've had a relationship but they've never been super tight and this this movie is really more about that relationship and becoming more and more uh, close and and you know bonding over this over this journey um i'll say the movie itself i mean the animation in, in the movie is is outstanding and pixar just continues to do more and more and more with their animation making it look making stuff look real that um, inside of the animated world. So like the water and the, you know, like all the textures and whatnot is like, you can see just like every little grain, even though they look like goblins or whatever. And you can tell that's animated, like the water and stuff, like all that looks really, really real. It's really strange, but it's so cool to watch. Um, there, there's like a scene at one point with like this, um, like spell that kind of gets cast or a curse that gets cast. And it's like this really deep red color and it just looks insanely gorgeous. Like it, I if I can't wait for video games to look like this because it, it's gonna just be so fun to play. But um, you know, watching it on the screen though is amazing. Like that, even if you just went to watch how it looks, that like that alone is worth going to. But obviously, there's a great movie in there too. So, um, and it's it's a funny movie as well. Um, you know, Chris Pratt does his Chris Pratt thing. You know, he he's he's great with the voice acting and, and just in general with, with his delivery of jokes and, you know, Tom Holland's a little bit more of the, the straight man in this one, but um, he's still funny at times. Julie, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is funny as the mother. Um, and then again, the story gets to you. I mean, they're, they're they definitely will have some, uh, some Cody will probably have a wet neck after watching this one. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it, it's, it's a really good movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I, I was excited for this one. This was one of my more anticipated ones for this year, and it and it and it did deliver. Um, I, you know, Pixar does it again. They they continue to make uh, really great, heartwarming uh, movies that, you know, feel like a great journey. This this feels like just a fun journey that that you get to go on with these characters. So, definitely would recommend checking this one out. It, it'll be a fun one to go to with a family, or you know, if you don't have a family, it's it's a fun one to go to as well. <laughs> Uh, is it Yeshman Blecken? Uh, if you're like me, you don't have one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, onward. Very. I'm very much looking forward to this as well. Uh, I love the. I love the idea. Um, I love the the scenery. The the world that it's set in is all. I don't know what they. They must be doing LSD or something there over there at Pitsar. I don't know how they're coming up with the worlds and the situations that they come up with. It, it's, it's almost, it's borderline weird that they've nailed it this many times in a row. Uh, <laughs> you know, from, you know, what do your toys do when you're not in the room all the way up to uh, what if magic used to exist and it doesn't now because of cell phones. Like it, it, the, the fact that they're continuing to do so well is incredible to me. Uh, Onward is in theaters uh, this Friday. Uh, you can check it out in theaters probably near you. I'm sure it's a wide release. Uh, I'll be getting to that ASAP because I'm very excited to see it. All right, that's going to do it this week for our uh, movie reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! All right, folks, we talked about it at the top. It is the first show of March, so we got to do a little thing called the New Release Exam. All right, we have uh, this game that we play monthly. 
I don't know. Did we play it last month? Yes, we did. Um, <laughs> we play this every month. Uh, the idea is to let's get educated on the films that are coming out in March. So Seth is going to give me five films and I need to get correctly three of them. Uh, by get correctly, I mean I need to name a star of the film, a the release date, and the director of the movie. So I did a little bit of studying earlier. We'll see if uh, if my brain has held up. We'll see what I can come up with. Uh, what do you got? Uh, the movies you uh, are going to be choosing from to get three correct is A Quiet Place Part 2, My Spy, Mulan, The Hunt, and Onward. Okay, I want to do Onward right away because it's top of mind. Um, okay. Onward uh, comes out this Friday, so that's the 6th, um, and uh, Chris Pratt is one of the stars, and, fuck, their director, I committed this to memory earlier, uh, Dan Scanlon, I think is, yes. is that right? Yes. Okay, so Onward is a check. Um, I think, okay, I think I might be able to do this. Um, let's do... Let's do my spy. <laughs> um, oh shit! Hold on. Um, no, I may have lost the director. Okay, I think I got it back. Um, okay, my spy. Which, by the way, fuck that whole movie. Just fuck that movie. Oh my god. Uh, they tried to put it out last summer. We're like, no, this is shit. We're gonna kick it off to fucking March. <laughs> um, anyway, it's uh, Dave Bautista is in it. Uh, the release date is that's gonna be the thirteenth. Um, director i want to say i want to say peter seagull am i remembering that right that's correct okay my spy i i don't even want that fucking point um <laughs> fuck that movie i'm probably gonna go i'm probably gonna love it <laughs> um, uh quiet place is an easy one so that's uh march 20th i believe is the release um john krasinski directs and emily blunt stars yep great Okay, so that, that's my three. Uh, I think I can get a fourth. I think I can get Mulan, uh, which Mulan, uh, I would say, I'm, I'm really, really excited for Onward. I would put Mulan right up there in terms of my anticipation. I'm very excited to see what they've done with this. I think it could be super, super cool. Um, Mulan. Okay, so the 27th is the release date. Uh, director's name was Nikki Caro. Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. and um, I can't think of the star's name, but I know Donnie Yen's in there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I figured he'd go with. Yep, yep. Um, I'm excited. What are you thinking about Mulan? Are you are you stoked for this? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm not stoked, but I'm definitely I'm intrigued by it. I'm not. I was never a big Mulan fan growing up. I think I maybe saw it once, but mm -hmm. um, definitely uh, in, in, interested in seeing it. Yeah, I think um, you know the the trailer. The trailer honestly gets me emotional. So I think I'm I think I'm gonna be wet necked at this movie too. Like the <laughs> the whole idea for whatever reason I've always had a soft spot for that um, sort of ancient. Uh, I hope I'm I, I I I'm sorry about I don't know if this is a Japanese story or a Chinese story. I think it's Chinese. Um, yeah. But uh, that the idea in that culture of like honor and family is really meaningful. I think. And that's what the whole movie is centered around. And obviously there's the female empowerment angle and just the idea that like she's doing all that to protect her family and stuff. I, I, I think there's a lot of really great stuff there and I hope that they've executed well. Um, I, I'm really excited to see that. That and Onward uh, are at the top of my list. I'm a little bit less stoked for A Quiet Place. Uh, I, I didn't see it as a necessary sequel. The, what I do know about it is not where I hoped they would go. 
um, I'm going to see it and I hope it's good, but uh, I'm going in with, with expectations that aren't super high. Where are you at on A Quiet Place 2? Are you, are you jazzed up for this one? <laughs> totally jazzed. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for it. I, 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 uh, I'm interested to see what they do with the, the before and after type story. And, you know, it seems to me like, uh, you know, the, 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 the way to solve it could be pretty clear now. Uh, but at the same time, now they introduce this whole angle of like, people are, people are turned bad since it's happened and stuff. So we'll see where they go with it. And I hope that, you know, I hope they, hope they took time with it and, and, uh, you know, actually didn't just rush it out to make a sequel and, and, you know, made, made sense of it or had an idea of it going into it. But, um, you know, I know like some of the, the, the writers or at least one of them, I think both went to either lived in Iowa or went to the university of Iowa. Um, and then John Krasinski joined in later, but, um, they like, they actually were here right after the movie came out for an independent film festival here in Cedar Rapids. Mm. And, um, talked about talked through it so i'm rooting for it just because of you know the the local nature of it but um you know hope, hopefully it i hopefully it does well i'm 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 intrigued by it yep we shall see i love the combination of uh, krasinski and emily blunt though in that first one oh there was such great shit in that um all right so uh i'm a winner i win i win yay well, there's one one more movie did you did you want to guess it? oh uh it's the hunt right um uh-huh. i don't know anything about that movie um it comes out to come out on the 20th no 13th okay well yeah then i know zero about it um but i am intrigued i like i'm gonna go see this this is the one that got canceled last year because it's about mm-hmm. killing uh alt-right people <laughs> and um <laughs> it was in the wake of a, a shooting uh was it walmart um around that time one yeah, of the, maybe some shooting they happen all the time now which is sad um <laughs> But uh, I'm very interested. They've built this whole ad campaign around this is the movie that got canceled. You're going to want to see why. And I think that's interesting. I think it's a nice pivot, a smart pivot. And uh, who knows whether the movie's going to be any good, but it, they've gotten me to go see it. So for whatever that's worth. Yeah, and it uh, stars Betty Gilpin from Glow. Ah, that's right. One of my favorite shows. And then Craig Zobel is the director, which I don't know what else he's done. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Interesting, though, that it's coming out around the same time as Hunters on Amazon, the show with Al Pacino where they're going to start killing Nazis. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've gotten a kick out of the hunt and hunters, uh, with similar stories coming out around the same time. I guess a lot of people want to kill bad people. Uh, anyway, before we get too political, uh, the hunt is a March 13th release. So we'll be able to see that within the next couple weeks. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. You cut me off. I win. For three for the win. <laughs> yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! What that means is that for the next month we will continue to be the so-host and the co-host. And uh, no silly nicknames for me this month. Did you have one on deck in case I lost? I did not, know. Uh, I'd have gone with John Kozinski. That would have been a good one. <laughs> 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 All right, folks, that's it for this week's uh, new release exam. All right, assholes, that is just about the end of our show. Uh, we've gotten through a lot today. Uh, before we actually wrap it up, though, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I was very excited over this past weekend. Uh, my girlfriend got a new iPhone, which means that she got a year's worth of free Apple TV Plus, which means that I am watching The Morning Show. And oh. <laughs> I fucking love The Morning Show. I've seen two episodes so far. It is riveting. Like, there's so much going on. There's a lot of different people. There's like politics involved. It reminds me of early seasons House of Cards 
with with like different stakes, right? Like people aren't getting murdered in the show, um, but. Uh, it's that kind of political, I talk about you with this guy, but then I go and talk about that guy with someone else later. Um, and Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell are acting their dicks off in this. Um, there is, they're, they're getting lots of like long monologuing uh, sort of scenes, a lot of heavy emotion. Jen Aniston is doing this thing where she's, she's at once really vulnerable, but also really strong and tough. Um, and then the same actually goes for uh, Reese Witherspoon's character, it's kind of this fish out of water, but also the new hotness. So it's like, there's a lot of dichotomy among the characters. Steve Carell is like a likable guy, but also the monster of the show. Um, and uh, similar to what I said about Luce, they don't, at least in the couple episodes I've seen, this may change over the course of the show. Um, they don't give you all the answers here. So they leave, they leave up to you who you believe in this. Um, the story is centered around some sexual uh, misconduct allegations against Steve Carell's character and the fallout thereof. Um, so, but the idea of whether you believe Steve Carell and what he says or the victims and what they say, um, the show doesn't give you that answer. Uh, it leaves it up to interpretation, which is really interesting. And kind of makes you think about some of the real stories that we've seen um, because we don't get to see all the behind the scenes stuff of them, but we get to see it here. Um, so the morning show is amazing. But fuck Apple TV Plus. Fuck you, Apple. The, the reason I've always hated Apple is why I fucking am never going to pay for this service. You can't, <laughs> you can't Chromecast it. Um, yeah. There's no way. You can't. I tried six or seven different ways. I thought I was going to backdoor it. They like shut down my fucking, my Chrome because I tried to Chromecast it. You cannot. Um, and that's fucked up. Like I can't put it on my TV unless I buy the $100 fucking Apple TV thing. It's bullshit. It pisses me off. I hate it. Um, and I'll... I'm going to prevent myself from going more long-winded than that. Uh, fuck you, Apple, but that's a good show. That that That's all I'll summarize. <laughs> I was just about to ask you that. Is, is uh, you know, how, how's it been trying to cast it? Because I, <laughs> I know oh, you can't. You know what the thing um, was? So you, um, so I don't know if you've ever done this, but you can, you can Chromecast your browser to uh, the computer. Uh-huh. And so I did that and it, you know what the bastards did? They let me watch the first episode. So I Chromecasted the first episode, me and me and my girlfriend did, we watched it together. And then, um, the second episode, it wouldn't let us do it. So we dicked around for it for a while. And then we just watched it on my laptop. That's how we ended up doing it. It's fucked up. Yeah. Pissed me off. So and much. can you, can you like screen mirror on the TV though, with like your phone? Um, I didn't try it from my Android phone. She was unable to do it from her iPhone. Um, because my TV doesn't have the app that you need. So, um, there wasn't any way well, for that, us to have it. See, what I've read about it is you can, because um, I've thought about watching some of the stuff on there, but you can, from what I've read, you can do like when you cast your screen to the to the TV mm-hmm. and just like do full screen. And But it, I mean, so it's not the best quality, right? but at least you're watching it on your TV. Yeah. So we might have to try you, something you, like that. Yeah. But... Yeah, those sons of bitches. I knew what they were up to because it wasn't working. I was like, oh, man, my internet's down. I was like, wait, I bet you this is Apple. So I like changed my – I put a new tab open and went to like msn.com and it immediately was able to cast on my screen. I was like, you sons of bitches. You know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> Ugh, fuck those guys. 
Yeah, because I think because um, there's a lot of good stuff actually on there, like mm-hmm. a lot of well-reviewed things. But uh, I probably won't do it until they've talked about the Orphan X um, show will be on Apple TV Plus. Oh shit! Um, so that'll probably be what I'll end up doing, and it's cheap. I mean, Apple TV Plus is pretty cheap. It's what five ninety nine or whatever. Yeah. So it's not that expensive. But and you can get I a free trial but, too. So like, if you wanted to binge slam Orphan X, you could you could free trial it in a week or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. I'm. They're not getting any of my goddamn money. Though, I'll tell you that. um well what got my money this week uh in my one and the one more thing for me is is uh the reason i went down to uh des moines was that uh, jared and i went to uh see another classic or went to see a classic it's another one for me uh movie on the big screen which is a lot of fun and that was back to the future Ah, i got the got got the check out back to the future on the big screen uh which is really cool um i've only seen you know bits and pieces and i know you know some of the lore with back to the future and whatnot but it was a ton of fun getting to see it on the big screen with a packed audience. There was it was a sold out showing and uh, uh, quite a bit of fun to see on the on the big screen with the the music and um, you know the, the, even like now like still the effects you know there there's some there's some cheesy stuff but for the most part the effects still really hold up so um, you know it's not groundbreaking but it, they still the way they do it is is really cool so um, definitely a lot of fun and I'd like to check out the other two uh on the big screen uh eventually when i get a chance but um again recommend anytime you can go check out a, a classic movie on the big screen uh at your local theater definitely uh go ahead and do it because it, it's a different experience and it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah i'm yeah i'm so jealous that you're getting all these right now um was there like i'm curious was there like cheering and stuff during the show were there like huge fans there's, in cla- there? there's clapping afterwards which is kind of interesting yeah that's fun i uh i went to a couple weeks ago to an anime movie. Um, I might've talked about this last week. Um, uh, My Hero Academia. And that has a big, it's an anime and it has a big fan following. So there were like people dressed up and cheering and stuff. And I've never been at that, at a movie where there's that, that I'm not a part of that fan base. Um, But it's kind of (laughs) fun. Like I, I, it's easy to, you know, laugh at the nerds and stuff and think that it's dumb that they're cheering, but it's also just super fun. I don't know. I just kind of like being in an atmosphere like that. Uh, So I'm jealous that you got to see it in a packed house and, Obviously, having it on the big screen with all the sound and everything must have been super rewarding. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun. I'm I'm gonna keep gonna keep going as they release this stuff out. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Back to the future. Uh, you know what? Uh, we have to, right? We're going. We don't need roads. Wow. That's uh perfect. And and that's with that in the movie I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> the, it's the retro recommend sounder. Yep. Uh the one for me um there was a what was the segment we did where part of the sounder goes, "Fuck you, that's my name." Yeah. Um I can't remember what segment that is now. Anyway, uh whenever I watch that scene in Glengarry Glen, Glen Ross, that one line like hits different because I know it so well. Like I know every bit of how it sounds. It's weird. <laughs> um anyway, we got uh Back to the Future and Apple Eat Shit, but Money Morning Show is good uh this week in one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Alrighty, folks, that does it for episode one thirty-four of the SoCo show. Uh, appreciate you listening this week. Uh, shouts out to, uh, our contributors. Once again, Jared B, Mike V and Casey C. Appreciate you guys helping out the show. If you want to help out the show, head over to anchor.com and uh, become a contributor. If not, just keep clicking on these episodes, keep sharing them with friends. Uh, every listen helps us out. 
So we really appreciate that. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you're listening. New episodes of this podcast every single Thursday. And of course, don't forget to check out the description box where you'll find links to all of our sponsors and the various uh, stories and things that we covered today. All sorts of great stuff. Uh, Get out there, enjoy Onward and whatever else you're doing this weekend. Uh, For the so-host, Seth Ott, I've been the co-host, Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye.